I don't think people are going to want to listen. Well, that's I don't know. I don't know. If if they're listening to the end of the credits, then I guess they're in. Whatever. Yeah. Uh anyway, I got another cup of chai tea. I got some green peppermint. Let's do it. Let's do it. Adventure guys. Adventure guys. Now it's time for adventure guys. All right. Adventure Welcome guys. Welcome to Adventure Guys. Jinx. Episode 18. Yeah, I'm Eric the Human. And I'm Nick the Human, and we're talking over each other today. <laughs> you know, sorry. You know why that is? It's because we didn't sync our recordings. Oh, yeah. Can we do it now? Uh, yeah, hold on. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. All right. Welcome to Adventure Guys, the podcast for humans and dogs. I'm Eric the Human. I am Nick the Human, and welcome to episode 18. I love the number 18. It's a nice round number. It's like the eight's like a snowman. It makes me happy. Even though I'm not going to see snow this year. <laughs> yeah, Eric, you looked at me like that was a dumb comment. And maybe <laughs> it was, but uh, that's how the 18 makes me feel when I'm looking at it as I wrote it down next to my notes for this fun fun ep because we're going to discuss what was it season two episode two what is uh, it? yeah i don't like this episode you don't well you know i thought that it was just gonna be a dumb old finn and jaker just like inconsequential but i think we got a little bit of lore in here we got some fun we got some fun thing like the first should we just start talking about the ep sure <laughs> Oh, Eric, you are so excited for this one. <laughs> I don't like this episode. I I've never liked this episode. It's a it's an interesting episode. I guess Well, let's start talking about it and we'll go quickly. <laughs> um probably the highlight of the episode is when it opens, we get a nice little run up, like a little run clip Fest, whatever you want to call it, of Finn and Jake's last like what was it, eight days or something? Yeah, been, that is that is the best part of the episode for they, sure. They've been nonstop adventuring these two, and they're really tired. And they're tired, and Finn's like, "Why?" And Jake's like, "Think about all the stuff we did." And they go through, and then you see everything they've done, and it was just like a list of really fun, ridiculous adventures. Yeah, you get a hint at how dark Peppermint Butler is about to get in the series. I think this is like the first time you see him do something sinister. Yeah. Where he obviously just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not say murdered, but maybe just sacrificed a goblin. Yeah. And he calls Finn and Jake to help dispose of the body. <laughs> yeah, kind of of like that weird, gross old trope of like, take care of no take care of peppermint butler's goblin problem it's kind of like you know when you know that old trope of like a guy had sex with the hooker and she died while he was fucking her so then they have to like get rid of the hooker right or in pulp fiction where they they call the cleaner yeah exactly so they're, they're, they're 
we also <laughs> we also see a um uh, lumpy space princess quinceanera which <laughs> right yeah was interesting I, I never really thought about her racial makeup or identity or nationality or heritage or any of that and i guess they gave us some anyway um <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what i'll do with that but um well yeah. you know as hinted later in the music when you start getting some uh classical music peppered in um i think we're we're sort of meant to believe that like some bits and pieces of our contemporary culture from the late 20th century early 21st century has made it to the land of ooh a thousand years in the future but they just don't know how to contextualize anything oh. so they just do different bits and pieces uh without really knowing what any of it means wow wait okay that's really cool where okay so when does the that classical music start getting introduced uh, Jake's playing his viola oh, yeah. to the horse. Yeah. And he starts he starts playing Beethoven, but he doesn't know how to pronounce it correctly. Same thing with Mozart. Uh. He calls it like, what does he say? Beat Beethoven or Beethoven, something. Beethoven, yeah. He says it wrong. Yeah. And it, and it, it, it I believe that it's not because he's making a joke, but he actually has no way to know how Beethoven was supposed to be pronounced. It was like, a, it's a Dutch name. Mm-hmm. And even Princess Bubblegum, who speaks German, might not know the exact way to pronounce Beethoven. So I think it's just like a loss to history type thing. Yeah. Ooh, this is fun. I didn't, I never thought about that. Is that a, is that a popular fan theory about like how this universe works or is this an Eric, I don't know. Eric original? I don't know. That's really fun. I love that. Um, <laughs> that would explain it, but so yeah, maybe, maybe the, the, the lumpy space family, they just do quinceaneras because it's a the thing they heard about. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's great. I love that. I love that theory. Anyway, Finn and Jake, though, they're home and they're like, we're going to go to bed. Finn gets in his cocoon type thing, which just looks so cozy. I love that cocoon. It makes me so happy to see. Right. He sleeps in it over the sheets of his bed. Yeah, it's perfect in a sleeping bag. <laughs> and then um, Jake is in his like drawer. I don't know why I'm obsessed with Jake's sleeping situation. Like he, It's like inside of an armoire and in the armoire is his like viola and a has like few possessions because he doesn't even need possessions. He's so, he's he's just so freewheeling. All he needs is his like viola and friends, and he's good to go. Um, yeah, is it is this a thing that like regular dogs do? I think cats do it where they just want to sleep in open drawers. Is that just like a dog thing? Oh yeah, I guess that that's probably where that came from. Um, I don't know. I've never had a dog do that, but I'm sure dogs do. Um, <laughs> But anyway, then they can't go to sleep because I guess they've been adventuring. I was like, Eric, I was thinking about like, this is probably like tour life where you're like, you get home and you're going to sleep in a bed and you haven't slept in a bed in like two months. So you're like, I'm going to sleep on the floor. Like, oh yeah. Well, even, well, the last two years before I moved to New York, I did sleep on the floor. I slept on a futon mattress on the floor that I removed from the floor in order to have space during the day. To record <laughs> oh wow that's what so, sean's doing in his bedroom <laughs> yeah so and you know i mean it's not like uh experiencing like really brutal hardships but it is difficult to sleep on a bed <laughs> after that <laughs> wow yeah but they can't go so and then they they say it feels like someone's watching us and they go out and there's this i'll let you i'll let you explain it it's a horse that's standing on a hill 
just staring at them. And this horse looks so friggin' junked up. Like it's, it makes me angry because it's not in the art style of the show. Yeah. It's such a stupid looking horse. And I mean, later on we find out that it's not a real horse. So, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's dumb. And the other part of this is, so they set up that Finn and Jake don't really want to go to sleep because they're just so in adventure mode and like hopped up and you know what I mean? Like they don't want to go to sleep and I get that. And it almost feels like they're focusing on this horse as a way to avoid sleep. Doesn't it? A way to have to avoid the quiet, the settling down and going to bed. That's what it feels like for Finn anyway. And uh, yeah, it could be, I, I didn't get that, but that, that tracks. And, like it. and it's like, sort of like, you know, they could just ignore this horse and it will be fine. Like, it's really not a big deal. And then if they make a big deal, part of me is just like, oh, come on. You know what I mean? Um, that's how I felt. Like, anyway, they go out and they start looking at this horse and they try a whole bunch of stuff. Finn wants to try reasoning with it. Like, ask him to leave. That doesn't work. Jake's like, we got to push this thing down the hill. Not going to work. You can't move it. It's too heavy. Jake gets big, picks it up, and moves it to another hill. Comes right on back. Yeah, see, this is the part of the episode that I really dislike. Yeah. Um, and uh, it reminds me of an episode of Steven Universe. I don't know if you've gotten to it yet. I forget what season it's in. Um, uh, Peridot is trying to fight a, a monster out in like the desert. Did you watch that episode yet? No, but it's coming. I It must be. Okay, so it's 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 a direct parody of uh like Wiley Coyote and the uh-huh. Roadrunner. Uh-huh. And uh Steven Universe, you know, like it is a reference. Like they are doing it on purpose. Yeah. And this episode of Adventure Time, it just feels like freaking Looney Tunes with Wiley Coyote <sighs> and the Roadrunner. And you know, like, let's just try a zany plan. And it takes like 45 seconds to act out this plan. And then let's reset and do another zany plan. Yeah. And it's like, there's no like real structure to the episode. It's just like a couple little vignettes, like small snippets of like doing something stupid and cartoony. And yeah. one of the reasons I really like Adventure Time is because it does not fall into cartoon conventions of the 20th century. And here they are doing that. And it doesn't seem like they're really referencing it. It just seems like they're falling into the, this pattern that I specifically do not like. <laughs> I... I got that. I'm going to offer a defense of this episode, but I'd want to reveal a couple more plot points. So they try to move it. <laughs> they blindfold the, they blindfold doesn't work. They try to lure it away with music. It doesn't work. Um, Jake wants to kill the horse. Finn's like, no, but they decide to dress it like a bunny. And then a hawk gets it and drop. And they're like, cool. And then it drops it in their house and they're, they start going crazy and they're like, Oh, this, this horse is tearing us apart. Finn kicks it in the butt, and what comes out of its mouth but Ice King? Um, Should have known, that fucking yeah. guy. He just tries to leave like it's no big deal. They get into a fight out front, and Ice King reveals that he was there spying on them in the horse suit because he wanted to learn how to be happy because he's simply just not happy, and he knows how happy they are, so he's trying to get it. And I guess, you know, this is the lore I was referring to, is this the first time that we're getting a glimpse into the sadness of and vulnerability of Ice King? Yeah, I think this is the turning point episode for him. It, it's subtle, but that's cool. Uh, the whole first season, 
he's just like your typical cartoon nemesis. Uh, I I don't think there's really a lot of depth to him, and yeah. like his plans are so outlandish and stupid and creepy and bad. And this is maybe the first episode where they offer another dimension to that character. So okay, sure, but he's still the thing is he's still behaving in like all the stupid mannerisms from season one. Yeah, the humor is, is season one. Like he he uses ice power. To, to control the ice and these ice cubes hit Finn and Jake and and they're like it's just such season one stuff yeah yeah so I, I it's it's a subtle setup for you know Ice King being a much more important character later on uh, but it still feels very you know traditional cartoony to me yeah he, here's my defense of it and it I don't know if this is even a defense. This is it's not even me saying I like it or it's a good episode. I guess what's what I find cool about it is, and the more I watch the show, is the more we they start to make you know the the tree. What do they call it again? The tree house, the house. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it has yeah. it. It it really is this like home base. And like the more there's so many episodes you watch, it starts to feel like home. Like I don't know when they're there. I almost get a home-like feeling because they're going out on all these adventures at home. And I feel like what this episode does is it kind of shows more so than even season one is like, okay, um, we're going to set up this place as a home. We're going to show that they can have adventures even when they're at home. And we're going to like set that up and do a different kind of episode to like shake things up from just meeting a random person every episode. Which is which? Which I guess, like, so I guess I'm just saying I understand the episode and it serves a function. I would definitely not never list this in my top 150, 200 episodes or whatever. It's like it's inessential. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it is still early in the show, and I I don't remember exactly how they you know approach action in and around the treehouse from season one. But yeah, uh, it is um it is a good treehouse episode, sure. Uh, you know, the um, the lead background designer on the show goes by the moniker Ghost Shrimp. Mm. Um, he uh, he based a lot of the treehouse design around like a cabin that he had out in the woods in like New Hampshire, I think. Wow. That he that he built himself. Yeah. Well, you know, you know what this. He, <laughs> that's really cool, dude. Yeah. I want to see that house. Um <laughs> This also reminded me of another treehouse, some other treehouse episodes. What's, um, what's, oh, James Baxter. That's the horse, right? That's on the ball. Yeah. That's like a real horse, like in yeah. the yeah. style of the show. I know, but it's a, it's a very similar episode where they're just at home. There's a horse outside. It's doing something. They're interacting with it. I feel like that's almost like, that's more of an adventure. Like this one, they were like, oh, we should do something where they're at home and they got to figure out how to do an adventure, but it didn't like pan out. And then James Baxter is way more like, yeah, okay, this is an adventure time. Like this, I don't even know what this guy is. Yeah. The James Baxter episode, by the way, I did not like that much the first time I saw it. Uh, but then I heard an interview with Rebecca Sugar about it and it totally recontextualized everything about that episode. When we, when we do the James Baxter episode, that'll be, a, a fun one to discuss. Can we? I don't want to get into it right now. No, but I, there's a there's a lot of deeper things going on in that up. 
can we put uh like clips of that interview in our podcast that might be fun uh i'd have to like find it it's from the steven universe podcast uh. and i have to like dig through I'm you know, I'm really interested in that. I don't know if I like James Baxter. For, are you talking about the first James Baxter episode, episode or the second one where we like learn his whole backstory? Uh, well, both. Okay. Uh, the the first one I didn't like. I, I I didn't like as much as the second one. Yeah. But they're both they're both connected and they're both uh really related to, you know, like James Baxter is a guy, like in the real world. Oh, I don't know about James Baxter. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about who James Baxter really is when we do that app, I guess. But oh wow, um, but it's like uh, they're like paying homage to this guy. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, cool. Um, we'll talk about that another time. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah. I mean, so this app, we get some, we get some lore. We start to learn more about that where the Ice King's going, which is inter- which is cool. I mean, that's one of the best par- like parts of the show, right? Like. Ice King's journey, like, is one of the most important parts of Adventure yeah. Time. It's honestly, it's it's never been like the number one most important thing in my mind. But I feel like when most people talk about Adventure Time and the gravity of its story and that kind of thing, Ice King is like the first thing that people talk about. And that's, I remember when when Harold like pitched the show to me as as a recommendation, and I was like watching those early seasons i was like what is going yeah. on nothing is developing and he's like oh yeah well, i mean things get you know get more detailed and like the storylines really do go somewhere like especially ice king's story like i re- i remember that as like the first time someone pitched the show being having a good story to me that ice king is the character they use and i, I think that's co- a common experience i think so too i mean and to, to your point about it not doing typical cartoon things like that is one of the most non-typical cartoon things, which is that they really humanize the villain, like the quote unquote villain of the show. And you start to understand where he's coming from and I don't know, show great empathy towards him. And that that's cool. Yeah. I, I would say that his redemption arc and there, you know, there's a lot of redemption arcs in narrative, you know, based shows, but his redemption arc is really unique and weird. Yeah. <laughs> Like, did you watch Avatar? No, right? Sean just watched it. Yeah. Avatar is lauded as having one of the best redemption arcs for its villain. But the thing is, is like, it's very traditional. And from episode one of that show, it's very obvious. Like, oh, here's the villain that they're introducing. And he's being set up for a redemption arc immediately. Like, and it takes a long time and it's a satisfying arc, but it's, you see it coming a mile away, seasons away. And I mean, you know, so you understand you're on that journey yeah. with him. But it's, it's you know, it's traditional and it's telegraphed. Um, Ice Kings is totally non-traditional. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, we saw, we saw some new things from Ice King, but I'm curious if you saw something else in this episode. Eric, did you see the snail? Nope. Nick, did you see the snail? Nope. <laughs> it's the first shutdown. Sean saw the snail. Apparently, he texted us. Yeah. Uh, Jerk. 
I should I should go grab him right now and figure out where it was. Um, nah, he's he's off on his own journey right now. Yeah, it's our first shutout in a while, dude. We got to try better next week. Right? Uh, yeah. I don't know. Whatever. I. You know what I did see in this episode? Really weird. Uh, there's a shot. I think it's the first shot where they look out the window and see this this horse. Uh, there's a little guy, like a little character, who's like hanging from a shelf in a noose. Out in the world? Not in their house, it, right? In the treehouse. Whoa. Was, was it like, like a toy or something? Yeah, like what the freak is this? Is it like a like a doll that they were being funny with? Or is it some little guy that committed suicide in their bedroom? Oh, boy. It's like, like what? <laughs> what am I looking at? <laughs> Ugh. That's scary. I'll, I'll go. I'm not going to go watch this episode again. It wasn't that good. But that's creepy. And as <laughs> yeah, we know, I, like, yeah, that could be a guy. That could be a thing. I don't know, man. I don't know why I saw it, <laughs> why I noticed it, but. Dude, they know where that belongs in? Uh, in Miscellaneous Mania. There's things you may not know. Eric and Nick will show you all the trivia in Miscellaneous So in this episode, there's a shot of this weird little guy in their bedroom hanging himself with a noose. Thank you. <laughs> you, you. You did a, some other, some other good um, miscellaneous mania you said earlier in the episode. What, what was it? What, uh, do you remember what I'm talking about? No. <laughs> oh, God damn it. You, you, you laid some other cool uh, trivia. I don't know. What, do you have anything else? Uh, so... <clears throat> In Australia, they censored the line poo brain. Uh. Yeah, I was a little, not like, I didn't like it. I guess that was their way of saying he was dumb. I guess I was getting a little bit sensitive when they were starting to call him, like, poo brain. I don't know why. Really? I thought it was just, I mean, I, I thought He's it was brain dead. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, it's 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 obviously extremely juvenile, uh, but... Yeah, they censored it in Australia, which I don't Man, they censor a lot of shit in Australia. I always <sighs> thought that was like one of the most hardcore places in the world. Yeah, but me too. A lot of the show gets censored there. Wow. Can't say poo brain. Hopefully, if I ever get a chance to tour Australia. God willing. Like we'll, we'll play an all ages show and I'll call some kid a poo brain. And, you'll get and watch th- the chaos ensue. You'll get thrown out of there. Oh, man. <laughs> They'll deport me immediately. That's it. Tour canceled. All your shows are canceled. Oh, boy. Um, any other good ones from here? No, that's it. I know. I was reading censored. I was reading through some of what's on the wiki and, like, just going along with this episode just wasn't that interesting to, like, really talk about, I don't think. I honestly... I didn't even watch this episode until a few hours ago. Um, I mean, it's been a bit of a shorter week for us since it's been what only four, five, five days oh, yeah, since our last recording last Sunday. Um, but I knew that I didn't like this episode, and I put it off, and then I forgot about it, and then I remembered kind of last minute. <laughs> yeah, I get. So, I I watched it twice in a row just before, and I don't know. There's been a couple that we've done, honestly, dude, recently where it's like. 
or I've seen if I've seen the episode or it's not that good where I'm like, I'm you're almost just like, it's like, uh, I'm just like letting it fly by me. Do you know what I mean? I was eating yeah. my poke today. Just being like, I get it. I get it. I, uh, I've been watching Rick and Morty, um, as my cartoon right now. And I, I got way more invested in that for a show that I've watched all the way through like six times. Wow. Um, you know, you know what? I, I came to, uh, a bit of an understanding with my Rick and Morty fandom. Oh yeah. Uh, what's that? Dan Harmon is kind of a piece of shit, but <laughs> Justin Roiland is a worthy creator and the general fandom is kind of a piece of shit. But if you ignore that and appreciate it on your own terms, it's a very good show. And I, I did get the art of Rick and Morty book and I'm reading it and I'm realizing how much work really goes into that show. Yeah. Uh, and what an achievement for animation it actually is because they don't reuse character designs. Well, Every episode, basically they have to design from scratch an entire alien race and and figure out how to animate like dozens of characters in that alien race. They do it all over again every single episode. And that's why you have to wait so long between seasons for that show. Wow. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, I mean, well, look. <sighs> yeah, that that's a thing for me. Like, this happens in music. It happens a lot. People, like, quote unquote, know about stuff, but they don't watch it or like they let whatever's around the show, like the fandom or the cultural consensus, like infiltrate their understanding of the actual thing. And I feel like it's inevitable that's going to happen, but like you kind of owe it to the thing. Like if you're going to say like, I don't, I'm annoyed with freaking Morty or whatever. Like you, like I think you kind of have to separate those things a little bit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I remember I was having this conversation once with somebody about um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And I was like, oh, yeah, I love that movie. And they're like, yeah, it's like, I get it. And I was like, what do you get? They're like, it's a good movie. It's like, I get it. Like, everyone loves it. And like, it's just like, it's just like, come on already. I'm like, I'm like, well, I think I'm like, I hear you, but it's pretty good. Right. And they're like, oh, I've never seen it. And it's just like, I don't know. Am I babbling? I no that that movie is a good example. I because hey, I grew up on Long Island. I grew up riding those trains. Yeah, you know, and that I really loved that movie. And only after have having my own appreciation for it that I learned that it's like sort of a symbol of like hipster trash, like like faking cinema appreciation. That you know, <laughs> yeah, and like, you know, Circus Survive like puts it on their freaking album. When everyone's like, when was that? Like 2006 height of like the scene. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I just think that. It, yeah. Look, I, I hear it and I understand and I know that probably f- whatever fake people. Right. We're talking about all this stuff that's around it. But at the end of the day, it is still a good movie. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. And sometimes, yeah, it'll get co-opted or whatever. People say the same thing about Wes Anderson movies. I've been rewatching them those movies are great. I, like I literally like every one of his movies and people go crazy on it because of like the, the kitschy art direction and like, but it's like, but the movies themselves are good. Like, I don't know. I j- it, it just bums me out when people are going to write off something like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind because it became this sort of 
like hipster indie signifier. And it's really like, like who even cares? You know what I mean? Like, just like what you like. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I left the, uh, Rick and Morty Swift posting group because it was just freaking trash. <laughs> and I, was, uh, I realized not having this pop up on my feed helps me enjoy the show more. <laughs> Man, that's that's hard, but uh, but that's cool. So, what is up with you? Don't like Dan Harmon? Wow, we're calling him out on the pod, huh? No, no he's kind. Of, I mean, he there was that whole thing where with community he, where uh, he was just like not great to work with, right? No, he like there was there was some co-work, some writer on the show that he like harassed and. Uh, it. I don't know the whole story, but he like this was a couple of years ago where it was like he had to do this whole big public apology thing. Yeah. Um, and he like he was married, but he was still like pursuing and harassing like a staff writer. Oh, really? And she was like, "Hey, stop it!" And he was like, "No." And then his wife left him, and he got even worse about i don't i don't i don't know oh wow yeah i'm i'm, I'm looking at it a little bit well that's disappointing i didn't know about he was that. like basically he was like totally negligent of his position of power in like trying to date a coworker yeah i mean he uh, was obviously he he even said that he was kind of a shitty person to work with on community and just like cuz like his working style he just didn't communicate well and didn't lead well in a lot of circumstances um yeah, and and the more I I hear about Rick and Morty, the more it seems like it really is Justin Roiland's show. I mean, he does well, all the voice acting. I got obviously. A, I got a, actually a really funny Instagram ad. Someone, some talk show interviewed Dan Harmon. I think Dan Harmon does really give a inter, interesting interview. I got to look into all this myself. I I, I find him an interesting character in the world um, of. Uh, of like you know modern culture and he's talked about having like asperger's and stuff i think like mild forms of autism which is kind of interesting um and he you know and depression and all these things um but what i was gonna say was um oh in this interview that popped up as an instagram ad it was dan Harmon saying you know i love working with people who have a, like a vision who like know what it's going to look like, like, like people who are like th- that guy's shirt needs to be blue because he believes this. And I, the house needs to be modeled after this. And no, that wall needs to be pink and not red. Like it needs to be pinker. Cause he's like, because I don't have that vision. Like he's concerned. He's like, my concern is like story and story structure and plot and character development. And like, nuts and bolts big picture boring stuff so he's like i like to work with people who are in on the minutia and that kind of like goes to your point where it's like he's basically saying that in that interview like yeah justin Roiland probably has the vision knows what the characters need to do look like what they actually need to say and maybe dan Harmon comes in and like helps you know the bigger picture stuff i don't know <clears throat> yeah <clears throat> it also seems like dan Harmon is the source of friction that adds to the show taking forever to produce. Oh, really? Um, but also the other, you know, the art directors uh, on that show are, I think they, I don't know how, like what kind of an artist or cartoonist Justin Roiland really is. Um, but a lot of the weight of 
drawing that show falls on other people. Mm. So it, it seems like Dan Harmon does not have as much to do with it as, as was previously marketed, right? As like the new show from the guy who did community, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. That was like eight years ago. I know, but Hey, look, the show's good. And it's like, we're, <laughs> we're talking about all this stuff around the show and not the actual show. And you know what? The show's pretty fucking funny. And I'm glad that you uh, enjoyed, join it. And you got that book. Yep. Uh, you know, I bought a lot of these books. I told you they had a sale. At Target, yeah. What else yeah. did you pick up? <laughs> um, I got the art book for Avatar. Mm. I'm talking about that. It's, they actually just last week, uh, they had the art book out for a while, but they just released a second edition with like a lot more features and shit. Um, so I think what I'm going to do is I watched Avatar a few months ago. I'm going to read the book, and then I'm going to watch Legend of Korra which I haven't seen. Whoa. Dude, oh yeah, I meant to say, sorry, to go back. I didn't see the Adventure Time book at Target. Was it there? Uh, I didn't look for it because I already own it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I think it's out of print. Oh, wow. Well, that's cool. I, I did tell you I had to get it like delivered. Yeah, you from did. UK, you did. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Well, nice. Um, should we see what we're going to talk about next week? Let's see. What are we going to watch next week? What are we going to watch? It's the episode. Okay, we got episode 172, which is season six, episode 16, Joshua and Margaret Investigations. Cool. Cool. I, uh, um, that sounds like we're going to get some more backstory on our, our guys, right? Yeah. It's mom and dad. Yeah. Sweet. That'll be fun. Cool. All right, man. This is a fun app. Um, we had a good preamble too. That was fun <laughs> before we recorded. Um, cool. Hey, uh, if you're listening, you made it this far. We love you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much to like, Everyone who's like listening along, I know there's a lot of people who have subscribed and listened to all these, like Dan Ford, Bill, Alex, like all these people. We really appreciate you. Yeah, if you have anything you want to contribute, send us an email. Yeah. At did you see the mail at gmail.com? And if it's a worthwhile contribution, maybe we'll read it on air. Yeah. Maybe we'll talk about it. Maybe we'll talk to you. Um, <laughs> yeah, follow us on Instagram. Subscribe. Tell one friend about it this week if you feel inspired. There is also that option on our page at anchor.fm slash Adventure Guys podcast to support us financially. Um, you can give us like a dollar a month and that will increase our earnings by like 700%. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, cool. Well, we love you. Thank you very much for listening. Peace out, y'all. Bye.
up, dude? Hey. Uh, I was just saying I had a, a long day. <laughs> tired. I'm just like pissed. But I'm getting less pissed. We got pokeheads. <laughs> of course. That's why I didn't see the snail. I was eating poke. I told you. I was just trying to write lyrics. I've been working on a song. I've I've become a very very in I've become very into lyrics as I've been trying to write good songs. Yes, me too. Over the past couple of years, increasingly so. Yeah, same. Cause I think I feel like you get you get I don't know. Like I feel like the more music you hear, or this is at least how where I've come to, is like before just like good like obviously I love lyrics and melody and arrangement, but like I I it, I don't know why it, it only clicked for me more recently. I'm like, oh yeah, lyrics like really help shit like stay around in rotation <laughs> and mean more to me and people. And it's like a whole other avenue. I remember literally I had an epiphany, dude. It was really funny actually. This is this is more than a couple years ago, but I was starting to read poetry because I wanted to figure out like written word. And I loved music. And I was like, imagine if you could take like poetry, but like poetry, like th- th- this great, insane, like <clears throat> esoteric and moving and heartwarming stuff and like match that up with music. Like I was having some original creative thought and I realized <laughs> I was just describing what a song is <laughs> <laughs> or should be. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Man. But it's not approached that way, really. I I think is where I was coming from. (laughs) I had this discussion with people a lot, uh, other songwriters. I really think that you need to write your lyrics first and have the the music rise to the lyrics. Because if you write your music first and you write a melody first, it's very obvious to me, like when you're trying to fit words into a pre-existing melody, everything just sounds contrived there's so much filler that winds up going in there uh you know my my biggest indication of like shitty lyrics are inclusions of phrases like i don't know you don't know i know you said i know you said stuff like that right just fucking put the the actual part in the lyrics don't preface it with i know that or you said that it's just yeah. fucking syllables that fill up a melody that you wrote before you, you know, you thought of anything meaningful to write about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like fucking... we, we may have talked about that one point because I've been, you know, I've been writing this album for a long time. But what I've really realized is that me writing this album has been like me really starting to go to school on like all things music. And like I wrote a couple of songs I really liked, but I kept saying, I don't know. And the more I've been going, I'm like. I'm. I gotta cut all this filler. Like, there's no time. No one has time for filler. Yes. Like every word needs to like be going somewhere or mean something. I I'm really guilty of wanting to add just or like like emphasizers or qualifiers that you that like for a syllable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Uh. The word though comes up a lot of my drafts. <laughs> I have to cut it out. Oh yeah. Uh, I was in I was in the grocery store a couple of days ago, and the uh, some basic ass pop song was playing, and the hook, like or what they think is the hook, was on a lyric like I don't know, and then some bullshit. They're like I don't care. I'm like, what? 
this song is about nothing. <laughs> yeah. I was so mad. <laughs> it's interesting is sometimes that the, uh, well, you're talking about, so if you, if you write the lyric first and you go, or you should start writing gibberish, sometimes that gibberish can lead into mm-hmm. lyrics, which is good. And that's kind of how I like to do it. But the, but the problem is, is that I think subconsciously our brain goes to those phrases and then you're stuck with those phrases. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. like, it doesn't need to be, um, but, but if you, if you, uh, I do kind of like going that way. Cause sometimes like writing like, le- like lyrics and melody at the same time or melody first. Cause like sometimes my unconscious brain will just like spew out something in that improvisation mm-hmm. or like stream of consciousness that is kind of interesting, you know? Yeah. I, at this point, I don't even start writing music until I know what the music has to be about. Whoa, that's so, cool. The way the way I do lyrics is I just write just without any thought about structure or form. I'll just write sentences, prose, unorganized. Just, you know, if I have a concept, I'll just write about it, and that's it. Uh, and then later on, usually weeks, months later, I'll look at that paragraph prose and I'll pick out lines that are like the best and I'll be like okay let's take this line here pair it up with this line and then maybe like okay so I got those two lines maybe like let's change the word order so that this can rhyme and I'm still not thinking about like lyrical structure I'm just thinking about like how how the the words relate to each other just in and of themselves Mm. then once I have some some text that has like a fair like gist of meter of like it might be weird phrase lengths it might be like here's a five line phrase and then here's like a two line tag and you know just it's still largely unmusical but it's there is an organization system then once i have that then i'll like say sing it to myself and find a rhythm, like find the rhythm that the words feel natural with. And then once I have the rhythm, then I will think about a melody and, and you know, in, in broad strokes, like here's where the contour should go up. Here's where there should be a leap. Here's where this Whoa. should like, like turn around really quickly to get to the next phrase. And then once I have like the contour, then I'll, do a rough sing through of what I feel like the notes are supposed to be just naturally. I'll record that into my phone, not with any sort of instrumental reference. And then I'll listen back on my phone and I transcribe what I just sung. Whoa. And I'll be like, okay, so I just sang it in the key of C sharp. Let me think about how I want to organize this. Uh, that G sharp was probably a little bit too high for this point. So like maybe I'll take it down and put it in C major. Right. Yeah. And then I start thinking about individual pitches and I move the pitches around just to like uh, figure out exactly what the melody should be. And then once the melody is transcribed as I can sing it a cappella, then I will figure out the harmony, like what the chord supporting it is are Whoa. supposed to be. And I intentionally, when this I, is, when I'm at yeah. that stage, I go for harmonies that aren't, that aren't uh, typical. Like if like I I was just finishing work on this on this song where like the melody was like pretty typically C major, 
Uh-huh. And the chords could have been just like one, five, four. It's like big fat C major and then G, F. And because the melody started on an E, I was like, well, if the melody's starting on an E, what's an interesting harmony that's, more, that's cooler than C major? So I just started on the two chord. So you're starting on, you're singing the ninth of a D minor seven chord. Yeah. And I just try and think about like, okay, well, where are the strong melody notes? I Don't make them the root of the chord. Don't make them the fifth of the chord. Maybe the third of the chord, but the most interesting notes of the chord are going to be the seventh and the ninth. So it's like this whole... Like extremely long step by step little process that I go from writing lyrics to putting it with music. And this has worked for me pretty exclusively like the last two years or so. Wow. That would explain why your music sounds the way it does. Some of the new songs. So sometimes I'm like, I've just like not like kind of head scratch. I'm like, whoa, how, how is that happening? Do you know what I mean? And just because I'm, because I'm literally like that chord, these harmonies, like these chords are so crazy. Yeah, but just write the chords after you write, write your vocal the, melody. The vocal melody, yeah. <laughs> That's a cool way to do it, man. That's very unique, and and it works for you. You're happy with the output, like it's fun to do. Yeah, I just demoed out something today that I was so stoked about, uh, and it's like, you know, that thing. It was like very much C major, right? But like I made it as far away from sounding like C major as I could. And then like the verse is in like E Phrygian and it's like very like classic thrash metal, like E based, but like dark. (laughs) And then the chorus is in C major, except it doesn't really ever, you know, revolve around that tonic chord. So I was so stoked about it. Uh, this is like one of the last few things that I've had to demo for the new Holophonics album. Wow. That's cool. I mean, it's, it's, it's fun. I mean, I'm definitely getting to the point where I'm writing and I'm like, I got to find like, I got to like, it's time for me. I was like writing songs. Like it's time for me to explore other types of harmony and see how other people are making melodies because I need to crack open this, uh, whatever I'm doing further. So maybe I could give that a shot. Yeah, man. Uh, That's cool. I I really got into this um, a little while back by starting like actual jazz reharms. Where like, I mean, not, you know, not in jazz music, but like take a a pop song or whatever and just like change the chords. Yeah. And and at that point, you're not really using functional harmony anymore. Like you can use Roman numerals to like talk about it, but it doesn't really fill the same function. You're You're more good. So would you go, would you go like, okay, here's like, this is a G. Okay, cool. I I can make it any of these like root third, fifth, seventh, ninth. Like I could make it a chord and I'll try to make the chord so it sounds right with in the context. And then you would just go that way and just try. Yeah. So, so the thing with like non-functional harmony is that, you know, we're existing outside of the, you know, 18th century Germanic tradition of, of music theory. Um, but we still kind of have those associations in our, in our ear. Right. So like you just have to make sure that 
there's some sort of structure to it. It doesn't have to be like, you know, like any sort of uh, like five one type motion. Like it doesn't yeah. have to be Shankarian in its in its its uh its essence, like, you know, which is what the debate of that whole um music theory being racist thing came down to. If your structure is based on a descending bass note, yeah, like by half by half step, that's that's fine. That's fine. That's that is more than enough to go on that the ear recognizes that as a structure. So I love moving your um like your bass notes just like by half note, uh by half step, and like you can one of my favorite things uh and this is actually all over Phantom Arrival right where like the sixth chord in a key. Uh, if you're in a major key, your sixth chord is minor. Yeah. Uh, and if you're in a minor key, your sixth chord is major, major but yeah. built on a half step lower. Right? So if your melody note so, over a sixth chord... Would you go to a minor? So, so okay, so if I'm in A, then the sixth is usually, you know, F sharp minor. So now, yeah. now you're saying instead of doing that, Play. Or if you're if you're in A minor, yeah, A minor. Your sixth chord is F, F major. major. Yeah. So, the interesting thing about the relationship between those two chords is the notes that move are the root and the fifth, which are the two uninteresting notes yeah. that you don't want to have your your melody be on. So if your melody is on the third or the seventh, you can have it be either in F sharp minor or an F major and it still works and it doesn't matter which which quality of A you're in yeah you can use either of those six chords interchangeably or next to each other well because if, if I'm in A and I go down to the that would go down to F sharp major Oh yeah, because your third stays F, C sharp stays in both keys. That's cool. That's cool. Well, say say if you're if you're um if you're in A A something, and you're singing an E over the sixth chord. Mm-hmm. Right. That's that's the seventh. Yeah. That's either the major seventh of ah. F, or the minor seventh of F sharp. Yeah. Yeah, wow. <laughs> that's cool. And that's in like half the songs on Phantom Arrival. Those altered, or not altered, but, you know, uh, interchanged six chords. It's technically like modal interchange, but as far as jazz reharms go, it's like one of the more simple ones to, to just like throw in real quick. You know, um... It's used really prominently in the uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild main theme song. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. I've been writing a song that's in A and then going into, goes from A to F major. And then. I don't know. I don't, I, my brain, I don't have that. Like you're 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 whip smart. I guess you studied a lot of it, so you know. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's good. 
Yeah, well, it's interesting. I, I want to try that stuff, and I'm going to now. But for me, the hard part is, is like, I feel like to like really work on a song or invest myself in it, I need to like, it needs to have like some sort of promise for me. And the promise I need is like, I need, it's almost like, okay, I need to make sure that it has like an interesting chord progression and feel and melody. And if it's, if I get that going and I get a couple pieces, then I know that it's worth going through the like lyric writing process, which is arduous. And then if that all comes together, then I know it's worth arranging as a, like a full band or something. Um, so it's interesting to me to like start with lyrics and then go. Cause I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just always writing lyrics out in the world, just like being a person just like yeah. at any, see that when people talk about like, you know, those moments of inspiration where they wake up in the middle of the night and like scribble down a melody or something like that. Yeah. That doesn't happen to me with music. That's that's lyric writing for me. Yeah. It's like I need I need some sort of like inspiration to write lyrics and then the music is like the craft part. Yeah. I get that. That happens to me. <laughs> I mean, I did the song I was just working on, I took literally like a lyric that I wrote in 2014 or 15 and put it in 2013 or 14 and just put it into this song cuz I was like it has a home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One second, I'm getting some water too. <clears throat> All right. Yo, were you recording the whole time? Yeah. Were you? Oh, you're muted. Am I back? Are you? Are you? You muted. Ah, yes. Okay. Were I you was recording the whole time. I was. Were you? Uh, yeah. Uh, that whole conversation was. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Bonus pod. Bonus clip material up up until the uh, the mild trash talking of uh, alternative rock. <laughs> yeah, that that, yeah. that that part would have to be. I was thinking that too. At some point I was like, this sounds like a podcast. I know, right? Maybe I should just put it all up, like basically unedited as like sort of a lazy bonus clip. 